Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Joey Dots, host of the Dot Daddy podcast. Today is February 12th, 2024. I am here with Jade Hernandez from Studio Conceal out in Arizona. How are you, Jade? I'm doing good. Happy early Valentine's Day. Right. Do you have a Valentine? <laughs> I do always. That's too many Valentines. <laughs> I'm just that, kidding. I bet you do. I bet you do. Good for you. <laughs> Pretty girls like you get, I'm sure guys are flooding your DMs all the time. Probably gets annoying. Thank you. <laughs> um, so where'd you grow up, Jade? I actually grew up in LA, but I consider Arizona a home because I've lived here for over 10 years and I just stopped counting. And now when I go back to LA, I miss coming back home to Arizona. Really? What what was your reasoning for going to Arizona? Um, it was during the last real estate boom or like, like a long time ago, right? Because I guess there was another real estate boom. Um, but that was why I came out to Arizona because it was just so much more affordable to buy a home and live out here. And then I feel like with LA, because there's so much competition, which breeds a ton of talent, it's really nice because when you come out to Arizona, or at least how I felt years and years ago, was that if you had any sort of work ethic, it was a lot easier to build your business and get ahead in life because Arizona is so chill, but it's also one of the reasons why I love living here versus LA. I've never lived in LA, but everything you say makes sense to me. Uh, yeah. it, it looks, one, it's highly competitive. Two, there's a shit ton of homeless people now i mean when, yeah. whenever you go visit and then you also have uh the prices like you said what if somebody spent i, I always think about this say i busted my ass i worked so hard now i got like this five million dollar uh apartment or, or condo uh in venice beach and now i got 15 homeless people living out in front of it i would not be happy I know. And California has changed so much and I wouldn't say it's for the better. So yeah, I love living in Arizona. Good for you. And you're killing it out there. Um, so are you married? Do you have any kids? Yes, I am married. I have two boys, a stepson who's 15. And then I have my little one who's five years old and he's a ton of fun. Does he, does he ever uh, come to work with you? Do you show him what you do? Oh yeah, he does. Um, he wants to be a tattoo artist. He wants me to tattoo him all the time. So we actually draw things like with markers on his body, washable, of course. Um, but yeah, no, he loves coming into work, probably still doesn't truly understand what I do, but definitely knows there's a ton of candy and snacks. And then little little kid just I just realized he'll eat all the chocolate but then he'll put the wrappers back in the candy jar and so then clients will grab a you know chocolate or whatever and then they're just like picking up all these wrappers so that's something that I just noticed he's been doing um last week actually so he's a lot of fun and I'm excited for him to finally realize when he gets old enough how cool his mom is because right now he has no idea <laughs> he's definitely he's definitely going to be in for an awakening and that's so funny you say about the the candy because i have candy here my son knows because I'll, I'll cut his hair here he knows i say you want to go to delaware s&p he's like lollipop lollipop <laughs> yes he, he'll, he'll forget everything else he'll forget to put his uh clothes away forget to clean up his toys but he remembers lollipop i love that they're so fun they really are so is that uh five years old is that kindergarten or is that next yeah. year 
Yeah. So no, he's in kindergarten, loves school. Thank God. Um, didn't think I was going to be that mom that was going to get really sentimental and sad when, you know, on the first day of kindergarten, but I was holding back the tears. Um, so it's such a relief to know that he loves going to school because it makes it easier for me when I'm at work and I'm not worrying about him because I know he's having fun. I completely agree. I mean, I think we all probably get a little emotional dropping our kids off. So uh, how do you how do you plan your day? Because you look really busy and you're doing a ton of stuff and we'll go into it. But it, I mean, you're doing the paramedical. So why don't you list out all the different services you have at Studio Conceal? Because I know it's a lot. Yeah. So I really specialize in the niche of paramedical tattooing. So for me, that's anything with stretch mark and scar camouflage. It can also include hair loss camouflage, scalp marker pigmentation. Um, and then I also do the areola restorative tattoo for breast cancer survivors. And that's really all I focus on. And I've always known that I've just wanted to stay in paramedical tattooing. Um, so that's what I do. And then we also train and we host coaching calls and have a full mentorship program with the artists that have worked with us. And then the studio itself is really cool because there's other artists in the studio that work with me. Um, so there's actually three other artists in the studio, two permanent makeup artists, and then an esthetician, um, which makes wow. it really nice. Yeah. It makes it nice because it's still a small enough group. We're super supportive of each other because, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I know sometimes being an entrepreneur and running your own business can be kind of lonely. So it's nice to like go into the studio with other artists and socialize and, you know, talk crap with each other and just have a lot of fun. Um, but then all of us are like growing our own businesses. So that's pretty inspiring. So, so you, do you all have, um, like it's a different room and then there's like yeah. a common area or something like that? Yeah. So that's what makes our space or the space that I found really unique. So there's four treatment rooms and then there's an area where we host trainings. Um, and then when we're not training, we're just all hanging out in between clients, like, you know, getting work done. And then the other girls, it's a really great space because there's a ton of natural light. And then it's large enough that the other girls can host trainings for their permanent makeup. Okay. And did you bring them on or did they find the room and then you met them that way? How did you meet? Yeah. So great question. So when I looked into the space, I really wanted a space that was going to be conducive for group training. So I was renting kind of like a salon suite and a, you know, salon sort of building with a bunch of other beauty entrepreneurs. And I was like, finally got to a point where I was like, I really want my own space. Um, and I want to be able to, you know, host group trainings, all of that stuff. So when I found my space, uh, I knew, of course, I was going to take one of the treatment rooms. And so I wanted to rent out the other treatment rooms to other artists. And I actually, because it's still somewhat small, you know, it's not a large building with like 60 rooms. Um, I was really picky with who I wanted in the building with us. And so I actually started looking at Gilbert, Arizona artists and beauty entrepreneurs and then I would just send out messages to people that I thought would be a great fit. And um, it filled up really, really quickly. And actually one of the girls, she's been with me since day one. So she's been with me for three years now since I opened up that space. Well, I, I agree. You should be picky when you're picking mm -hmm. people who are going to come in there, share the space with you. One, 
let's say they were even just paying you rent or something like that. You got to deal with them every day. What are their habits? Are they a slob? You know, all these different things. You don't want to deal with nothing like that. Yeah. Good for you. You're killing it. So let me ask you this. Why did you get into the, to this field? Like, what did you do before this? Yeah. Um, so I love camouflage tattooing because I really feel like a modern magician, you know, just having the ability to make something appear as if it's not there or making something like when I think about nipple tattooing, making something that is completely uh, one dimensional, seem three dimensional and seem so hyper realistic. And so I've always really loved like the magic behind paramedical tattooing. But before I got into it, and it's so interesting because I would never, I never knew. Um, so let me back up. So before I was doing this, I owned a airbrush tanning business. So that was my first beauty business. I've always well, been. That a was a huge, that was huge airbrush tanning. Yes. And I've always been a serial entrepreneur, but I've never owned a beauty business. So my airbrush tanning business was my first beauty business, like in the sense of like getting acclimated into the beauty industry. And it's so interesting because after I sold that business, I had no idea that I was going to be getting into paramedical tattooing. And the fact that I'm matching skin tones really allowed me I guess it gave me a really great foundation when I was doing airbrush tanning because I would see skin tones all day, day in, day out. And, you know, when you're airbrush tanning, the biggest thing that you have to prevent doing is turning people orange. Like nobody, that's like everyone's biggest fear. Don't look like Trump. Exactly. So you kind of have to really get acclimated to skin tones and like how dark you can get it before it, you know, looks orange. And the ability of, or, or being able to see skin tones every single day for three years really allowed me the ability and the foundation to be able to match skin tones. But, you know, while I was tanning, I just had no idea that paramedical tattooing even existed, but it's so interesting that a lot of things that happen in life really set you up for something so much bigger in your future that you have no idea while you're doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you were basically building a foundation because now you see, I mean, you see different shades of people. You probably don't even really see ethnicity, I'd say, anymore, because at least for me, I don't, I just see, you know, what color ink am I going to use on the person? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then it was interesting because when I was airbrushed tanning, I would see women in their most vulnerable state, right? Completely nude. And I would always hear women complain about their stretch marks and or scars. That was one of the reasons why they were getting tanned, stretch marks, scars, and cellulite. And so then when I sold that business and I just took some time off to kind of figure out what else do I want to do, I realized that I really missed the beauty business because I love the social aspect. I love helping women feel beautiful, love working with women, with, with women. And so then when I saw randomly, like as I was digging through the beauty industry, I was like, okay, well, what, what are they doing? Cause the beauty industry is always evolving. And so when I saw that they were tattooing stretch marks, I was like, bingo, like that's it. Just because it was something that I knew women struggled with and I would hear it constantly. And so then when I saw that they were camouflaging and minimizing stretch marks, I just ran for it. I mean, you, you capitalize and you're doing well. That all makes sense because I don't have the first clue on how to like camouflage stretch marks and all that sort of thing. And I know women are very, my wife just had a baby. She's all 
concerned about the stretch marks and things like that. Although it's natural, some women just, you know, kind of want to tone it down. I guess some yeah. people experience it worse than others. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people who promote embracing your stretch marks and loving your body, especially because, you know, if you get them from pregnancy, I mean, like those stretch marks tell a story like that you helped, you help bring a life into the world. And I think that's amazing. But I also know that there is a huge market of women who still feel self-conscious and insecure about their stretch marks, despite how they got them. And so I feel like there's a market for everything. Um, and, you know, I always say like, you can love your body and still not love every inch of it. And so even if you want to improve something or camouflage it or conceal it or minimize it, um, doesn't take I mean, I, I just don't think there's anything wrong with that either, or it means that somehow you love yourself less. I completely agree. Why not enhance your life? I mean, if you're yeah. not happy with it, love yourself, but you can still make your life better. Why not? Because mm -hmm. when you look good, you feel good. And when you feel good, you do better work. You're more positive to be around. No one wants to be around a grumpy person. Absolutely. And I also think it helps model what self-esteem and confidence and um, meeting your own needs look like on a deeper level. I, f I feel like it really helps model that to our kids. And so like, when I think about my son, who's five years old, um, he doesn't have social media right now, but he's growing up in a world where, you know, social media is constantly around us. And so I want to be sure that I model meeting my own needs and like what feels good for me, um, and how I meet that in a way where it's not dependent on the validation of likes and follower followers, if that makes sense. So it's like, I feel like the better that you take care of yourself, those actions speak much louder to a generation that is going to be in a world that pressures them to validate their self-worth based on like the number of likes and followers they have. It's horrible, Jade. You're so right. You're so, everything you said was right. And I honestly feel I was the last generation to go through high school with uh, with no social media. I graduated '05, and MySpace and Exanga uh, so, and MySpace started to come out. And I feel so bad for the kids growing up now. You know, even if they don't want to be involved, kids are going to talk shit because they're mean, mm -hmm. and and girls especially. I mean, guys are mean, but the girls they take it. I would say it's a little more brutal for them. I I, I don't know. What I think what you said is is definitely a good start as in building up your self-esteem, building up your confidence, but eventually they're going to hit a point where they do compare themselves to the other uh, individuals they see online and they idolize. And I, I don't know how we can even stop it because we can't really hide from social media. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, there's nothing that we can do to truly stop it. But I also feel like, you know, if I can model what confidence looks like for me. And if I feel good, like you said, like if I feel good, I'm going to, that's going to have a rippling effect in everything that I do, how I show up for my business, how I show up with him, my relationships, my marriage. Um, and, and those actions, as we always say, right. Actions speak louder than words. And so they're watching us constantly. And so if I feel good, I'm going to be looking for less of my validation and my work, my worthiness in social media. If I'm doing the things that truly make me feel more free in myself. You hear that people listen to what yes. you just said. You hear that? <laughs> Take that serious because it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love 
social media, but I hate it. I hate it and I love it at the same time. It's uh it's a never-ending battle for me. Um, but you're killing it on social media. To your point, you are dominating. You're dominating in life and on social media. Thank you. I wouldn't say dominating, growing, always growing, always learning like everyone else, trying to keep, you know, up with everything. Um, but it, the thing about social media, it's like whether you love it or hate it, obviously, you know, we have to have it or it makes things a lot easier to have it. And then I just try and like shift my perspective. I'm like, how can I not hate social media? Like, how can I make it work for me in a way where I don't dread it and I don't feel obligated or resentful towards it? And that's always a process. But I, you know, to be honest, like I really don't follow any of the rules. Like you got to post X amount of days at this certain time and this time frame. I don't follow any of the rules because to me, the rules is what makes it feel like obligation and the rules is what makes it feel confining to me. I might take your advice on that. (laughs) I might take your advice on that because it's, you know, I'm sure you watch a lot of um, self-improvement stuff too. I think most entrepreneurs like Gary Vaynerchuk, Tony Robbins, all those guys. And Gary's like, you need to be posting three to six times a day. I'm like, dude, I am not three to six times a day. (laughs) But and sometimes you feel guilty, right? If you don't, especially when you have a business, you want to make more sales, you want to share your product out there. It's a... It could be very frustrating. Let's back up there. So I met you at the scalp show in, was that 2022? Mm-hmm. Out in Vegas. And you got to go up there and speak. And what I noticed is, hey, this chick knows her shit and she speaks with confidence. And I watched you because I watch presents. I'm like, I'm a bit of a, uh, a speech expert. I'll say I did this thing called Toastmasters and all this other thing. And so when I watched you, I was like, oh, she's done this before. She's practiced. She's rehearsed because you could tell when someone's public speaking, whether they did their homework or not. And you nailed this. Sh- you nailed it. You did really good. So what was your approach going into that? And how did you get invited? Oh, gosh, I was so nervous. Um, so thank you for that. Cause I did practice, but like, I also didn't want to over practice because, uh, you know, just working out your nerves. So how I got invited to speak at the scalp show was because I actually trained in scalp marker pigmentations years, years, years ago with, um, Matt scalp micro USA. And so when they were coming up with the show and kind of like the headliners and all that stuff, they had just asked me if I would come and speak. And I wanted to really be sure that like, I, I don't know, like I really just serve our community. Um, because I think a lot of times, and I've seen this is I'll go to conventions and expos and I don't know if you feel this way, Joey, but I'm just call people out. (laughs) Like, I feel like sometimes you go to these conventions and expos and the speaker, I mean, I like to say that my intention is there to learn, to learn, grow my business, grow as an entrepreneur, grow as a person. And, um, sometimes I feel like speakers really don't. Uh, what do you call it? Like, I, I feel like sometimes speakers don't really provide the value there. Like sometimes it feels like you're looking at someone's real, their Instagram highlight reel, and it's really ego based. And so when Matt and I were kind of going back and forth, I already know that a lot of artists struggle with sales. And it's one of those same thing, love and hate relationships, right? Like, regardless if you love sell, selling or hate selling, you need it to literally sustain your business. And so I 
that was like the first thing that I approached Matt with was like, Hey, like, I love to talk about sales and talk about like how to, you know, how to deal with objections and how to just sell high ticket services. Cause it's a whole new ball game. And I had to learn that for myself when I was airbrush tanning, our airbrush tans were $45. And then when you get into the paramedical space, you know, you're easily quoting people hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. And so I had to learn how to sell. And it didn't matter how I felt about selling, because if I was going to make this business work, I would, I better freaking get out of my own way and learn how to be a better salesperson. And so, um, thank you for saying that because I had like people reaching out to me, like when I was in the restroom and, uh, throughout the event, just saying like, they got so much out of that presentation because it is one of those things that I would say a lot of people are kind of afraid of doing and, or don't feel very confident in doing. Um, so it's one of those subjects that I feel really excited about talking. Cause I mean, again, if I can help you increase your closing rate and get you more sales, you're going to obviously be able to provide so much more for your business and your clients and your family. Oh yeah. I mean, you look like a pro up there to me. It looked like you've done it a hundred times. Thank uh, you. And, and, and I really do. Uh, and that that's what stood out to me. Uh, and you're right. I agree. There's definitely, you want to add value. The whole point of going up there is to add value, not to showboat, I would say. And uh, you know, if you want to go to like a rock concert or something like that, it's a little different. This yeah. was more informative. People are paying a lot of money to learn about what experiences you have, and then you need to uh, convey them to everyone so they can understand. Um, I want to back up to, so you did do the SMP training, and but you're saying you, you pretty much primarily do more camouflaging. Yeah. So I, you know, I feel like SMP is a form of camouflaging as well, right? Cause you're camouflaging thinning areas, you're giving the illusion of hair, just like I'm giving the illusion that a breast cancer survivor has her nipples, even though she doesn't. Um, it's still the same form or art of camouflage. Even though I'm, I'm trained in SMP, I would say, and I take SMP clients, but I would say it's probably only like maybe 10% of my business, just because overwhelmingly 90% of my business is scar stretch mark camouflage. I love SMP though. Cause for me as an artist, you get that instantaneous gratification, right? Cause you get the instantaneous results. Whereas when you're working with compromised scar tissue, like stretch marks and scars, it will look worse for a while before it looks better. And it can take them months to heal for you to really truly see the results that you gave them. But with SMP, even though it's not technically healed, they're still walking away with a head full of hair, right? Or some more coverage. And that to me is a really nice break when I do get an SMP client because I'm like, oh, this is so nice because everything else in my business takes much longer for you to see those results. Well, so because I don't know much about the areola nipple camouflaging i'm sure they do great online i see that you know you're you're allowed to post you're allowed to post that for whatever reason and it should be because i usually do get it um taken off and then all i have to do is what do you call it like submit a request or rebut it or whatever appeal appeal. Appeal yes appeal it and so once i appeal it i usually get it back on but yeah like oh gosh like my facebook company business page has been suspended. Oh, like I get, I get revoked access to all the cool things all the time. So I'm, I'm probably blacklisted. Um, 
But once you appeal it and you let them know, like, look, this is a tattoo, um, I usually can get it reposted. It should be a compliment. That means your nipple looks so real. They think it's real. It's not a tattoo that they're flagging it. Yeah. So what... I don't know that much about this process. And you said a few things that I want to touch on. You're taking women who are very, very vulnerable. They just had breast cancer. And so they're practically naked, the top half of them. How, I mean, is it uncomfortable when you're, when you're going through the process? So it's really interesting because it's like the way that I think about it is you really don't know what you have until you've lost it. And so a lot of women who have gone through breast cancer, at least from my perspective, what I've noticed is that after they've overcome that, they're always constantly reminded of cancer. So even once you survive cancer, it's never a matter of like, yes, I survived this. I'm a warrior. It's more so there's always that underlying fear of, will I get it back again? And I also think the breast, I mean, it represents so much of our femininity and our sexuality. And when you get to the point where you'd like to get an areola tattoo, because there are a lot of women who, who don't want to touch their breasts and don't want to look at it, especially given that they've had to go through so much with them. And so I feel like when you get to a point, if you ever get to a point where you want to get your areolas tattooed, a lot of what I hear in the treatment room is I just want to feel normal again. I just want to, f- that that's the biggest thing is I just want to feel normal again, because a lot of times when they get out of the shower or look at themselves in the mirror, they may see just the scars or they may see the, I don't know, deformed breasts, right? Because a lot of them, and this is something that a lot of people don't talk about in the cancer community, but oftentimes when they've had reconstruction, they've had multiple reconstructive surgeries, they've had infections, they've had necrosis. Um, It's on average, I will hear a woman who has had six or eight surgical procedures done by the time she gets to me. And these are surgeons that are working on this you know, working on cancer. Right. And so, um, it just goes to show like how compromised that skin is and what that journey looks like for that person. So by the time that they're in my treatment room, they just want to look, or they just want to feel normal again. And it's that simplicity of when I look in the mirror, I just want to see nipples. I just want to see what should be there already and what's like deemed normal for me to feel whole again. So that way I'm not reminded of cancer constantly when I look in the mirror. And that's been the interesting thing because I had this one client and she was probably in her late sixties, finally getting, deciding to get a nipple tattoo. And the reason why she had held it off so long is because she really didn't think it was such a big deal until we tattooed her. And she's like, it's the weirdest thing, but my mind all of a sudden calms down. And she was the one that kind of explained, once you have cancer, you never think like, oh, I beat it. You always have this underlying fear of like, will it come back again? And so now when I look in the mirror, my mind, because now it sees nipples and it sees it as like, oh, this is normal. This is natural. It has calmed down that sense of anxiety of looking in the mirror and being like, shit, like, what if I get it back again? And that's, I mean, I just think that's so huge. And that's probably the most, those clients are definitely the most challenging for me to work on, like not just in itself with the scar tissue because it's been through so much surgery by the time I start tattooing it and put needles in it. 
But I also think it's, you know, it, there's a, there is a lot of pressure of like trying to make it realistic, trying to work with this skin, have them heal. Okay. And then hopefully help them move forward or, um, in a way where they again, feel whole and normal again is, is really huge. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And, you know, like you said, they're vulnerable and they're, uh, you know, they just kind of beat, they beat cancer, but it's always in the back of their mind. And, they, and probably they want to feel um, better in front of the person that they're with when they take their clothes off as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that's part of it. I, I'd say first and foremost, I'd say they're probably doing it for themselves first, you know, but again, like it's Which like- should be. Yeah, it's that rippling effect, though, because when they feel more comfortable, they are going to feel obviously more confident intimately with their partners. And but that's also another thing that's really interesting that a lot of people don't talk about with the cancer community. But divorce is really high as well. And that's that's sad to hear these stories of, you know, through sickness and health. Right. Like when you're married to someone and then they're going through cancer. And again, everyone, everyone deals with grief and loss so differently. Um, but there's a lot of women who have breast cancer who end up getting divorced through the process. That's terrible. That's mm -hmm. terrible when they're when they're when they're really facing a, a hard time in their life and and then they get divorced. That, yeah, that is, that is terrible. It's unfortunate, but hopefully you can put a smile back on their face. I want to touch on you because you said something you're going through scar tissue. How many sessions does it take to make, you know, when you finally post your pictures at two sessions, is it one session? And I mean, are you, because scar tissues, you know, a lot more dense, even when we're doing SMP, what's that like? Yeah. So it really varies per person. Um, typically the majority of my clients are seeing me for two or three sessions for a full completed look. And a lot of the reasoning is because as I'm working with their skin, I'm reading their body and I never want to create more scar tissue. And I definitely don't want, I don't know the way that I think it was like, I don't want to piss off your body because it's already been through so much. So as I'm tattooing them, my whole focus is like, let me just lay something there, like the groundwork or the foundation. And then I always tell them kind of like SMP, right? Like the second session is like the magic session, because at least there will be something there, but I'll work as long as I can until their body tells me that I can't, that it doesn't want me working on them anymore. Cause it's just going to piss off the scar tissue. You can create more scar tissue and, or it can also affect the retention rate too, because once things start swelling and bleeding and stuff like that, you just kind of want to lay your hands off of it. Um, so I would say the majority of people are coming to me for two sessions. And then, um, if I, you know, if they are coming in for a third session, it really is just like a minor tweak just because like maybe one side didn't retain as much ink or, and it's something that like I'll do usually for free because like, I'm a little bit of that perfectionist where like, I really want just those added little details to perfect it for her and to also make sure that the tattoo lasts as well. Um, you know, usually when I'm dealing with compromised tissue and stuff like that. I, it's not, I don't really want them coming back every year. Like ideally if they need a touch up, maybe in like three to five years. And the reason why is again, cause we're always dealing with compromised scar tissue. So I don't want to put my needle in you every year. Cause at what point am I actually doing more damage to the skin than improving it? 
And that's where yeah. their risk is with what we do. And that makes sense. I wanted to bring up something that I noticed because I think owning your product is very important. Like I have SMP, people come in, they can see it for the first time. Now, we, so this is sidebar. If you don't want this next part in, we'll take yeah. it out. Yeah. But I, yeah. So I saw you did a video, I'm not sure how long ago, but you basically said you had some type of operation and you yeah. had a scar and you did it on yourself. So, Can you tell us what happened there? Yeah. So I had a tummy tuck two years ago, two and a half, two years ago, something like that. And um, so I was like my own best case experiment, like in the sense of I knew that because I'm in the scar business, when I went into the tummy tuck procedure, I was already thinking about my scar. I'm like, okay, how can I make it heal really fast? How can I hack this system? And I just experimented with myself. So I was on my own like self-improvement project. And um, being Asian, I will hyperpigment. So I just tend to scar dark. If a mosquito bites me, if I pop a pimple, I just tend to scar dark for a while. That's just how my skin is. So I knew that I was going to be dealing with a very dark scar. And so while I was healing, I was doing lymphatic massages. I was using like a microcurrent device, which has like little electric magnetic um, pings into my scar to keep it flat and to help it heal faster. I was using silicone scar tape. And so really when it came to my scar, it was like, how can I get this scar as flat as possible, keep it as tiny as possible, and then begin to help lighten it up. So deal with the discoloration. And after two years, it's probably one of the best tummy tuck scars that I've ever seen. Cause I work on tummy tuck scars all the time, but Boom. it was a best. Yes. I haven't camouflaged it. It's almost to the point where I can, if I want to, but honestly, the scar is so tiny that it's really not noticeable at all. Um, there is a part of the scar. So there's probably 10% that still needs to be lightened up. So we've been doing like scar lightning peels and stuff like that. Um, but yes, like I definitely, you know, most people don't even think about their scar until after the fact, right? Because usually when you're going into surgery, you're just looking at like the before and after results. Um, but then what's really interesting that I, I don't think a lot of women realize is that after surgery, when everything is all said and done, you still don't feel super confident wearing that bikini or that crop top or whatever the case may be because of that scar. Because just because you have surgery doesn't mean that you want everyone to know that you have surgery, one. Oh, yeah. And then two, even though the surgical procedure, you know, fully enhanced your body and you have this transformation, again, it's that one piece of scar that you're kind of like nitpicking towards that you always tend to look at. And so I think the sooner that, so if there's any woman who is thinking about getting a surgical procedure, it's like there's things in place that you can do as you're healing to really begin to manipulate that scar tissue while it's in its most vulnerable state so that way you heal really quickly and that you heal in a way where we can keep that scar as tiny as possible so when when it is fully healed and fully healed to me is when it's completely white so when a scar has any redness darkness to me it's still kind of healing but once a scar is fully fully white that to me means that like it's healed and we could camouflage tattoo it with ink and what could could the ladies who are considering getting um, a surgery and they're thinking about uh, minimizing their scar during the process, are there things they can do at their home or would they need to come see a person? 
No, there's lots of things they can do at home. I mean, I'm a huge fan of lymphatic massages when you get like a huge surgical procedure done because most likely there's a ton of swelling and to really be able to detox your body and get that swelling down is huge. And then there's so many different modalities that you can use for scarring, which I think is makes it really interesting because then it allows you to have fun and a lot more freedom with what is going to work best for you. But I think it's not, there's not like one tried and true method of if you do this a hundred percent guarantee your scar is going to be great. Um, I do think it takes a variety of modalities, but yes, there's lymphatic massages that they can do. They can buy silicone scar tapes. I personally really like the Gen brands, which is a little bit pricier, but it's reusable and it's really thick. But those scar tapes, those silicone scar tapes are huge um, in getting that scar to heal. But more importantly, not only heal faster, but more importantly, keeping it flat. Because usually by the time you come to me, it's usually someone who hasn't even thought about their scar until they realize, oh, the reason why I don't feel comfortable is because of my scar. And so there's always two things that I'm addressing is one, discoloration. And then the second thing is texture. But if you can kind of manipulate your scar early on and help heal it faster, you can really address both before you even see me. Um, and so the silicone scar tape really helps with the texture. It can also help with the discoloration, but then when it gets to a point, and again, I'm not a surgeon, so every surgery is different, but it will get to a point where you can then begin to use certain serums and products to help with the lightening aspect of it, especially if your scar is super red, purple, and or dark. These are all great tips. And uh, can you, Talk about how that tape you were talking about, the scar tape, how, what do they do with the scar tape? Yeah. So um, the scar tape, I mean, if you can leave it on for like 24 hours, again, like your surgeon will let you know when you're- Is it just a piece of tape that they're like putting across? Yes, they're scar, but it's like a silicone tape. So it actually has silicone inside the web of the, it's almost like a bandaid in a way, but it has like a usually like a thick layer of silicone. Hopefully it's thick because I like the thicker ones. There's some thinner ones. But what the silicone does is it helps to um, replicate the healing process in the tissue. So it's almost like it, it uh, tricks the scar into thinking that it's reproducing new skin, but that like that silicone layer is skin as well. And so I feel like the silicone helps to not only heal the scar, faster um, because it keeps everything concealed and kind of like hydrated and in it's like little cocoon as it's healing. But then the silicone also helps to keep the scar flat too, because scar tissue is just your scar regenerating skin and tissue to basically bond it again to to fix the wound or to cover it or conceal it. Um, and so the silicone tape can help manipulate that scar tissue in a way that it doesn't do it bumpy or it doesn't overproduce, which then causes that bumpiness. Oh, this is great stuff. This is really good stuff. When you're doing, um, when you're doing the stretch marks now, do you typically do like someone's hip? I see a lot of the hips or is it the stomach? Yeah. You know, stretch marks are everywhere, everywhere. Are... I got them on my shoulder when I, yeah. when I went through my Grossberg and I started working out, I got them like all right here. And so I've noticed them, but uh, I'm just curious. So how do you approach that? Do you just try to match the, the skin tone for the rest of the arm? 
Or yeah, exactly. Um, there's a couple of things that we do for stretch marks. I mean, we can essentially camouflage stretch marks without ever having to use ink. And so a lot of people will call that the inkless method or stretch mark rejuvenation. There's so many different ways, marketing terms of how they how they um, describe it. But essentially what it does is we're still tattooing the stretch marks. Now, some people use a serum to help rebuild that collagen as fast as possible. But technically that stretch mark, once that once it's wounded, right? Cause we tattoo it. So we open it up. And then when that new skin heals over the stretch mark, um, that new skin is healthy skin. And that can essentially camouflage those stretch marks because skin has melanin in it. And usually stretch marks are white. And so when that new skin heals over that stretch mark, it can like add a filter over that stretch mark, giving it a pop of color to really conceal it. I've also seen the, wider stretch marks get much thinner because of that new skin and just tightening up everything. Um, and, or we also do stretch mark camouflage with ink, which is where we custom blend a color that matches someone's skin tone and then tattoo that ink color inside that white stretch mark to blend it all in. So everyone's, everyone's body is so unique and it really depends on, I mean, each person has a unique, method and strategy in place based on what their stretch marks look like. But that is the one thing that makes what I do so interesting is I really do work all over the body because stretch marks are found everywhere, like breast, stomach, butt, thighs, behind the knees, you know, shoulders. And so like when I think of my permanent makeup artists in the studio, they love what they do, but they only work on the face like, or like you, right? Like you only work on the scalp day in and day out. Whereas in a week, I will literally have worked all over the body depending on what we've done. So that keeps it interesting for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That has to be. And it changes it up. Do you ever run into a case where someone has, I'll say, a ridiculous request that you're like, oh, I don't think we could do that or that's unrealistic? Do you try to set the right expectations? Oh my God. That's, I feel like that's like 90% of our job, right. Is to manage people's expectations. Um, especially on Instagram where everything just looks better. <laughs> it's all filtered out, you know, like looks perfect. It looks like you've never had stretch works or scar ever, you know? Um, so yeah, no, I would say that's, that's the responsibility of the artist for sure. And that's what I teach all of our students is like, a hundred percent, your consultations are really about managing people's expectations. Um, we can't, the, the, <clears throat> I always like to tell my students, especially the ones that are self-proclaimed perfectionists, by the way, if you're a perfectionist and you're listening to this, I have yet to ever hear a perfectionist ever say it's perfect. You know, <laughs> like it's just <laughs> never here. And so I feel like when you get into the paramedical space, it will challenge perfectionists in the best way possible. And the reason why is because the canvas that we're working on <clears throat> isn't even perfect to begin with. And so there's no way you could ever guarantee or get it perfect because the minute that you put your needle in it, it's already imperfect because it's scar tissue. Makes makes sense. I For SMP, I make people wait. Let's say they get a hair transplant. I make them wait at least a year before I'll touch it because I know that if I do SMP three or four months after the skin's still healing, it's going to heal up more than likely. It's going to cause a lot of fading. Yeah. And one thing too, Joey, I'll give you like a little thing that we just started kind of experimenting with, right? Cause the industry is always evolving and the more, you know, the better you do. Um, but one of the things that we've 
we've been kind of experimenting with transplant scars is um, actually first, before we add the dots, is um, custom blending a color that matches their scalp tone like the surround, because oftentimes what happens I've noticed is even if you camouflage a scar, like sometimes it works just through S and P, but sometimes that white line is too white because the surrounding tone is a little bit more red, a little bit more pink or darker. Oh yeah. And so what I've noticed is that if we can first go in and custom blend ink tone that matches the surrounding scalp color, then tattoo, like literally shade that color inside the scar, then add the dots on top of it, that that truly allows for some of those transplant scars to like disappear even better than if you were to just focus on the dots. That makes total sense. Now, would that be an upcharge? Um... You know, as you know from our from my scalp show, I'm I, I'm a huge believer in being at the twenty percent of your market. So the way that we price out our services are already top tier, and so yeah, I it's all the same. It's all okay, so it's already included. We'll say mm-hmm. your expertise, yeah. lots and um, because I have I sent you a very unique person. Uh, I think oh, it was yes. about six months ago because. But I'm not going to talk about her case too much uh, or where she's from or anything. Basically, someone had gotten a a train. They tried to lower their scalp and they weren't happy with it. I suggested they see you. Um, Did they ever contact you? Did you hear anything about that? Um, I'm trying to remember. So it was a. I remember what it was. The forehead reduction. Reduction. Yes. Yes. It was like rolling too. A lot of women are opting for that. So for those of you don't know what a forehead reduction is, like like literally, it's a surgical procedure where they kind of like open up your scalp, but then like they pull your hairline down to minimize your forehead. Forehead reduction. Um, And so I don't think if she did contact me, I don't know, to be honest, Um, but thank you for the referral. Um, But I, I almost forgot what we thought would work best for her. Yeah. Yeah. Was it skin tone? Like add skin tone? I I suggested that you basically, because she wanted to put hair follicle replicate. She didn't want to shave her head. She had plenty of hair. And she went to add SMP all right here. I'm like, that's not going to look right. Cause your hair starts here and then you got all SMP. It's just, to me, I was like, I can't sign off on that. I said, my suggestion is go to Jade. She could camouflage that scar yes. it won't look as bad and maybe add a little bit of SMP where the thinning area is. I thought that would look the best. And the reason I did that is because I don't even know of anyone doing what you're doing here on the East coast. I'm in Delaware. I'm about 40 minutes from Philadelphia. I don't know anyone who's doing it. Maybe there are people doing it. Have you, I mean, do you follow, do you follow people over here that are doing uh, camouflage? Yes. I mean, like, I know that there's camouflage artists everywhere, right? Because a lot of 90% of our students actually travel in to train with us in Arizona. So I know for sure uh, there are some in the East Coast. But at the same time, if you're not really marketing, you're not making it easy for people to find you. And I think yeah. that's what happens a lot is people will call me and be like, you know, no one in my state does it. And I'm thinking in my head, like, there's got to be someone in your state that does it, if not like a handful of people. But I mean, sure, you know, like if you're if you're not 
if you're not making it easy for people to find you, that's the problem that you come across. But as for Philadelphia, I do believe, yes, there is someone I know who does camouflage tattooing in Philadelphia, but there's definitely quite a handful of people that I know in the East Coast. Okay. But you hear that, ladies. In my, in my, I don't know if too many are doing it. Maybe there's a few. There's a big opportunity if you want to go get training for scar camouflage, concealment, all the stuff Jade's talked about. I would go see her. She's obviously has a shit ton of knowledge, a lot of experience. I, I would want to go to the best. I would go to her. Highly um, recommend it. Yeah. Highly recommend it. Um, I wanted to talk about a few more things. You still got time? Yeah. Okay. How did you approach your marketing? Because you do really well. Your videos are all clean. You even do some some nice modeling shoots and everything. I think that helps promote you and your brand. It builds trust with the potential customer. How did you figure all this stuff out? Um, so I, before I got into paramedical tattooing, before I did airbrush tanning, I've always been, I've always had a passion for marketing is actually what I used to do. I used to literally build websites for real estate agents and gyms and really help them market and brand themselves. Did so you go to school was, for that? Or you just figured that out? I did go to school for it, but I never actually graduated. So I, I did okay. school and then I started working right away. And then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Like there's nothing they can really teach me in school, you know, for me to for me to justify completing, completing it. And so, um, I just started like working right away. And so I've had a little bit of that background, but I will say though, I mean, the market constantly changes. So even what worked back then may not work to the extent that it would today. But when I first started my business, I did a ton of video. And the reason why I did a ton of video and spoke on video is because I knew, or I still know that most people hate the way that they sound and they hate the way that they look on video. And so I knew that not to say that I love the way that I sounded or looked, but I knew that because I'm competitive, that if I ended up doing more video, that I was always going to be 10 steps ahead of my competitors. And so when I got into the camouflage tattooing space, that was before they were even calling it paramedical tattooing. So when I got into the camouflage tattooing space, of course, I did some research on my competitors and I was like, no one's doing video. No one's uh, showing the immediately after results. Everyone's just showing before and after, but they're not showing like the ugly phase that it goes through the scary phase, you know, where everything looks worse for a while. And so I also knew that a lot of people didn't know what it was. I mean, I think it's definitely growing. But if you ask 10 people out in public, like what paramedical tattooing is or camouflage tattooing, like nine out of 10 times, people are still going to be like, I had no idea that that was an option. Never heard of that. Makes sense. And so there's a lot of that educational gap that needed to be filled. And so I just chose to do it through video. And I really forced myself to do a ton of video, explain post-care, explain what it was, explain what it wasn't. Um, and I believe because I literally put my face out there and I was talking on film that people could establish that trust and likability factor much faster with me than my competitors that were doing it. And when I first started camouflage tattooing, like 90% of my clients were flying in from out of state. Um, there just wasn't a lot of people really putting themselves out there. And so that really helped me. And now when I look at the market, I think everyone knows that video is the game, right? Like now, like there's reels and TikTok and all that stuff. So everyone knows that they need to do video. But I will say, and this is my little tip, is 
regardless of you doing video, cause that is like a given. I think that the more you can speak on video and talk on film, the better. And the reason why is because a lot of times what we do is we have to do consultations. This is a high end service. This is a high ticket service. So it's really rare that someone's just going to like book online a $2,000 service um, without at least talking to you and kind of understanding what this whole process looks like. And so the more that you can show up on film as you are, and you have these mannerisms, right? And you have like this resonance in your voice. I mean, you probably know this from your speech stuff that you've done. And so the easier and faster I can establish that trust and that sale way before you even get on the phone with me. And so then when you're in the studio in person and or on Zoom talking to me and we're doing this consult, everything's congruent. And that helps support that trust because it's like, oh, I feel like I already know you. Oh, I watched a ton of videos on YouTube. Um, and now I'm talking to you and it's just conversational because I've already done all my research and I've already met you or seen you or heard you on film before we actually meet live in person. And I think so for those of you who are marketing and doing reels and all that stuff, it's like, if you can blend in a lot more of your voice and you talking and the way that you explain things, those little small mannerisms and details really add up and really begin to help you close that lead way before they ever meet you in person. And so that's always been kind of my little thing that I do. Write that down, people. She's just dropped some knowledge on you. Seriously, <laughs> that is really good stuff. And I'll, it sucks watching yourself on camera, listening to your own voice. I embarrass myself several times a week on camera. I mean, you guys see the dumbass shit I post with my, you just got to get past that because most people don't care. You are your own worst critic. So if you just try to say your best practice, record yourself, do it again, do it again. Uh, yeah, exactly what Jade was saying. Yeah. And, and it does get easier. You know, it's not something like you got to do this for a year and start seeing improvement. No, it gets easier. And then you also have a little bit of that. I don't give a fuck attitude too, in the sense of like, fuck it. I don't care. You know, you do yeah. need a little bit of that. And then I also think when it comes to, when it comes to the marketplace, look, there's going to be more and more artists getting into your industry. There's going to be more and more S and P artists getting into the field. There's gonna be more PMU artists, camouflage tattoo artists. And so what's going to help differentiate you versus someone else is your buyer or your future client. They already have so much information out there. I mean, if you look up, if you Google how to minimize stretch marks or how to remove stretch marks, you're going to get a million plus articles out there and YouTube videos of people giving you all the tips and tricks and you know solutions out there. But what's going to differentiate you versus all the information out there is context. So I always tell our students like, look, People don't need more content. They need context. Content is, there's so much content out there. Like if anything, I'm like, oh, I'm done with all that content. Like there's too much information um, and knowledge. But what they need to know instead is, are you the right person for me? And that is going to, it's what establishes that relationship because me and you, Joey, we both do SMP, but the person that's going to choose me over you is the person that feels that I'm the right person for them. It has nothing to do with our experience. It has nothing to do with the results that we can provide because we can pretty much provide the same results. Um, but it's more about like, are you like, do I feel that you're the right person for me? And the fastest way you can provide and exude that resonance of certainty is 
by really showing up for yourself and like really putting yourself out there. And I think video is the easiest way to translate that. Yeah. And if I'm a dude, I'm picking Jade over me because I want a pretty girl to do my SMP. <laughs> so funny. But no, I, I love all your content. Like I, I love that you bring your humor in. I love like when you share about your family and your wife and your home and um, because it makes you to me, it's like, it, it brings that human aspect of like, Oh, this is a person that I would love to spend a couple hours with. This is a person that I trust. And it has nothing to do with like how much, you know, or how long you've been in the industry. And I think that's what people are gearing towards. And that's what they're looking for is that connection because there's just so much information out there. Um, but they're really looking for that connection. It's like, are you the person for me? You're so right. I'm thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, because I've had people come in and be like, I feel like I kind of already know you. They're like, they may have listened to podcasts. They watched all my videos. Yeah. They've done their homework before they, because like you said, it's an expensive procedure. So most people are, they're going to do their homework for a little bit before they just say, yes, I'm going to give you a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. And it's that sincerity too, right? Like making someone feel comfortable. And so I'm assuming like people who come to you, like they know they're going to have a good time, you know, and, and you're casual and you're like, you're fun. And so yeah. I think um, you probably attract a lot of people who vibe with that. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I know some artists who put, so they'll have a person come in, they'll put headphones on the other person will put headphones on. They like barely talk. I'm sitting there. I hear people's life stories, you know, crazy shit. Uh, just like I'm sure you do as well. And mm -hmm. I actually find it interesting. I, you, I can learn, I learn from a lot of the people that I work on, you know, and I'm sure you've met great connections. You meet people who got a lot of money, people who have just barely able to afford it, but you can learn from each one of them. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Jade, so how can people find you? What are your social medias? Yeah, well, everyone can find me through Studio Conceal um, and or just through my name, Jade Hernandez. I know a lot of people think my name is pronounced Jady, which is cute, but it's actually Jade. <laughs> And then, um, but for the most part, Studio Conceal. So studioconceal.com. Instagram is probably where I spend most of my time. Um, but then you can also find us on YouTube and TikTok and Facebook. And your trainings, how often do you do the trainings? And do you want to give a rough estimate of how much it is? Or do you, is it different for each person or class? Yeah. So our trainings are hosted once every other month. Our signature program is our five-day in-person full year mentorship. But you spend five days with us and that's really the start of your mentorship. And then you're enrolled in a year mentorship with us where we do coaching calls once a month. Sometimes we bring in guest speakers. Like we just had an attorney come in and talk about like contract law and how to set yourself up in the best way possible in the case, knock on wood that you were to get sued or something like that. Um, so I really focus on like helping you build your business. Cause one thing that I noticed at being an educator was there's one thing, obviously, to teach the skills on how to tattoo and to do it well. And considering that we're always working on compromised skin, this looks way easier on Instagram than it is in real life if you're doing it the right way. Um, because there's so much that could obviously go wrong with what we do. And so five days is to really build out those fundamentals of tattooing skills, especially if you've never touched a tattoo pin before. And then I noticed though, that a lot of people were getting like certified and trained, but then they weren't running a business like, cause they didn't know actually how to start a business and own a business. And so that's what I see in our marketplace is a lot of people getting certified in two or three days, whatever the case may be. And then nothing happens. 
And so I ended up building out the signature program because I wanted to help fill that gap because I realized not everyone knows how to start a business. Not everyone knows how to do marketing. Not everyone knows how to sell. And so that's why we built out the year-long mentorship. Um, and it's also the reason why our program is as expensive as it is. So it's actually 8000 for the investment, which to me is a steal when you think about like how much we put into it for that year. And I also feel like, and I know you train too, Joey, but that first year will either make you or break you. And it's a big deal. I mean, I, everything you said is so great. Important. That sounds like a, yeah. a steal, 8,000 right. and you get a year mentorship. You're not going to get that from very many people. You're not, you're not going to. And there's a lot of people who say that they provide lifetime support, blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, really like that. You're already kind of lying when you say lifetime support, cause you're not never guaranteed tomorrow one. And, um, two, this is like lifetime support on steroids in the sense of, yes, of course you have my cell phone. Yes. You can reach out anytime, but like we actually have a strategy in place. And so when you're doing these monthly coaching calls, it's very intentional and it's very strategic to get you to the next level, to share with you case studies that we're doing. So that way you're, we're continuing your education um, because maybe you didn't have a burn scar during your training, but I'm going to teach you my current burn scar and how I was able to camouflage that scar. So not only do we like continue your education to make you feel more confident and competent as an artist, but then we're also making sure that we're really helping you build a business. So that way you have a successful business and camouflage tattooing. So that first year, I believe, and I just started creating content for this on YouTube and stuff is because I feel like that first year will either make you or break you. It is the most pivotal year of your career because in tattooing, like even with S and P the permanency factor of that, it's if you get trained and you start making mistakes and now you're dealing with unhappy clients and now you don't have before and afters to promote your business how motivated and inspired will you be to really put yourself out there and to grow your business? And so that's why I say like, if you skip out on that training that first year and you don't have this right support, you're, you're already on the track for fast failure than fast success. Because again, like you start making those mistakes that first year, I guarantee you're not going to be that motivated or feel that integral to really put yourself out there. You're going to feel ashamed. You're going to feel embarrassed. You're probably going to have to invest in more education if you're willing to do that, depending on like how much you're willing to spend and all that stuff. So I feel like that first year really, really can make you or break you as an entrepreneur, but especially 100%. as a tattoo artist. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's brutal. And I think that's why so many people get into this industry and then they don't do anything after. And I usually can pinpoint it as that first year. Like, were they consistent? Did they follow through? You know, did they like overcome that first year? And I would say if you overcome that first year, I would say you have a really, really good chance of doing well. And and I think if you're going to go into something like this, paramedical tattoo, SMP, you got to be serious. You got to be serious. Do your homework. Don't think, hey, I'm going to go take this class and then I'm going to be making nipples and dotting heads and making money. It's it's not that easy. It's really mm -hmm. that's why you think people pay such an expensive price to get this done and get it done properly. Take mm -hmm. this serious and go hard. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's with any industry, right? It's like anytime people are trying to skip corners and 
you know, make money really fast, like the, sh- the quickest way possible. I always think it's ends up being the longest road taken because again, I mean, if you're not trained properly, you're not going to have a ton of referrals. You're not going to have happy clients. You're not going to have good before and after photos, those before and after photos that building up your portfolio, that's huge, especially in a competitive market with other artists who have been in the industry longer than you, who have way more before and afters than you. And so you got to be sure that, like you said, if you're going to get into this treated as a business but as an investment in yourself and like what are you worth oh yeah oh yeah this is all a ton of great stuff jade thank you for coming on i'm going to end this is there anything else you want to say no thank you so much it was i was honored that you reached out and i'm so excited to just connect with you again since Vegas. Cause I know obviously like you're so supportive on Instagram and vice versa. Like I hope you feel, you know, we're really supportive of you too, but it's always really nice to have this like one-on-one connection time. Yeah, I agree. Come on,